Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Thursday night. It's supposed to be an off night in the NBA, which we all need. But it wasn't an off night because Mc, McMahon ended up in Amarillo today, which is a different story. But joining us from Philadelphia, where he flew today from Miami, where he's covering the Sixers Heat Series, the Heater Head 2-0, is Tim Bontemps. Hello, guys. Joining us from Dallas, where he's home now after being in Phoenix and covering the Suns 2-0 lead against the Mavericks after a short stay in Amarillo, banned from DFW Airport for several hours, banned McMahon. Howdy, partners. Yeah, the uh, the plane had to do a little holding pattern thing. and then ran out, Yeah, and then ran out of gas or was close to run out of gas. Um, they should have just hooked up to the gentleman next to me because... That dude had plenty of gas. <laughs> I mean, it was awful. <laughs> and we're off. <laughs> Man, we just got a text from McMahon. Plane running out of gas. Going to Lubbock. Guy next to me farting. That was the report. <laughs> I called him something a lot worse than the guy. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um. So uh, it's a little break in the series here. I got to come home after 18 days on the road for a couple of days. Uh, I'm covering the Celtics Bucks series, which is 1-1, and we'll be talking about it in a few minutes. Thought we would start, though, Bon Temps with your series. Um, probably been the least um, entertaining series to this point. Sorry for you. You drew the short straw. Um, sounds like you know, maybe we'll know more when this pod is out uh, and Bede is listed as out for tomorrow at the moment, but it sounds like there's a chance he's going to play on Friday. Um, this series to me has, um, has really been an illustration of the Sixers shortcomings, which is not, you know, not so much about what the heat can do, although they've been good and I wouldn't say great, but they've been good. In, in what's what's otherwise been a pretty highly intense second round, this hasn't been um, the greatest series. But I think it's been revealing about the Sixers' current and fu- uh, present and future because you know James Harden's just been so disappointing. I didn't expect him to like, you know, even split. But I thought they would be more competitive on temps, and Harden just hasn't been able to impact games, which you know you've been sounding the alarm on for a while, um, and it makes you really take a step back and evaluate where the Sixers are. What's your evaluation? Yeah. I mean, look, I think through two games, this has gone just about as anybody would have reasonably expected it would go. I mean, when you take the finalists for the MVP award off your team, when you have Deandre Jordan and Paul Reed playing behind them and you're going up against Bam Adebayo, who's probably, you know, maybe the, you know, behind Jokic and Embiid, you can make a pretty damn good argument. He's the third best center in the NBA. He was on um, my third team all NBA. That that's a that's a recipe for disaster. And that's how the series has gone. But certainly when the Sixers traded for James Harden, they lauded him as a guy who was going to partner with Joel Embiid and lead them to the promised land. It was a guy who was capable of doing that. And while you can certainly look at this series and say that Miami is one of the best defensive teams in the league and has guys like PJ Tucker and Jimmy Butler who can lean on them and they can take away space and they can run the same off the defense that the Heat ran against. Trey Young to great effect in the first round when Trey looked completely the opposite of the way he tore through the playoffs last year. At the end of the day, if James Harden was still the top five to 10 player in the league, he was billed as when the Sixers traded for him, he would be able to do something more than he's doing, which is simply being a nice 
complementary player who is very good at setting up an offense, very good at hitting guys with passes, but is not very good anymore at taking over a game by himself. And I mean, to me at this point, I look at him as really no different than the version of Mike Conley that the Utah Jazz traded for. A really good player, a guy who made the all-star team last year, and a guy that is probably best suited to be at times your second best player, at times your third best player. And he just does not have the burst to be able to take over a game. Frankly, Tyrese Maxey has been a more scary offensive weapon for the Sixers in half court. He's able to get by guys and get to the rim and really distort Miami's defense in a way that James Harden is just not. So he's still a really good player, still a really good playmaker. But to your point, in this series, for them to be competitive without Joel Embiid, they needed James Harden to have a turn-back-the-clock moment to what he was before. And the fact he has not been able to give any more than this is, to me, a pretty good indication that that's just not really going to be there for him. No, he, he's their second-best player when Embiid's not on the floor, when, when Embiid's not available. Tyrese Maxey's been the best player in this series. That was not the plan, and that nope. is a potential $250 I mean, million Tobias, problem. The Tobias Harris is been the second best player in the series. Yeah. I don't Tobias I mean, I don't is like frankly being better than Maxi. I mean Tobias has had the best six weeks he's had maybe of his career past six weeks with the Sixers. He's playing level I did not think he could play at. He's been guarding Jimmy Butler well. He's been efficiently scoring. He, he's been he guarded Pascal Siakam right in the last round. He's been really, really good. But look at the end of the day, the Sixers said they traded for one of the top five or ten players in the league. And James Harden has just not been that good. Well, and, and when Harden when Harden tries to take over the game, it's like if you're if you've got PlayStation One controllers and then you're in a PlayStation Five console. I mean, it's right. just you know it's just not working for him. And Bon Temps, you obviously have a a lot of experience in in, in terms of that. Uh, That's but, true. <laughs> uh, but I thought you were just gonna I thought you were just gonna say that McMahon just let it go and let the percentage of listeners who knew the Bon Temps uh, Twitter <laughs> got hacked. Who haven't muted him on Twitter already before he got hacked? <laughs> that was just going to be a little chestnut for for the fans. Bon Temps Twitter got hacked over the weekend. Um, it was or I glorious. guess it was during the week. Yeah, um, rough, rough rough week for the 76ers and for Bon Temps Twitter account. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I've been talking about, and I know it's an extraordinarily basic stat in today's day and age, but um is just the number of shots that Harden mm-hmm. has been able to get up. You know, just he led the NBA in total shots in 2019 and 20. Um, the, the last two years pre pandemic, one year he averaged 25 shots a game. And then when he went to, even when he went to, okay, he was playing with Harden era with playing with Kyrie and, and Durant. he averaged about 17 shots. And again, it's not even about how relevant that total is it just, you know, shows you know where where his baseline was since he's come to the sixers he's averaged 13 shots he has never had a 20 shot game as a sixer he's had one 19 shot game that's and one that's one it's it's crazy one 18 shot game and other than that it's just he just can't get the shots because he he used to have he used to have 23 point attempt games yeah I remember one time it was against the Warriors and it was it was the game where he hit at a 35 foot or whatever the, at the buzzer to win it. it had 40 some odd points or whatever it was. And I remember he had 23 threes in that game, 23 three point attempts in that game was like nine and 23 or something like that. And yeah. I remember asking Dan Tony, you know, hey, wh- what do you think of James getting up 23 threes in this game? 
And Dan Tony's response was just cracked. He, he just cracked up because his ability to create shots. Yep. And it, it would like he, sometimes he wouldn't be on. Sometimes he'd miss a lot of shots, but James Harden could always get shots. And there are times right now, this series is starved for James Harden to be able to create shots. And he just cannot do it anymore. Absolutely can't. And look, that's the thing. That's the thing that's different about James Harden. He's still an elite playmaker. You know, JJ Redick has said a bunch of times this week, you got to look at more as a playmaker than a score. That's 100% true. But this guy used to be an elite playmaker and an elite score. And that was why he was one of the five best players in the world. It certainly wasn't because of his defense. And when you look at the way he's playing now, there's no fear factor anymore with James Harden. There's no fear that if you get up in him, he's going to get to the rim. Or if you take a step back off of him, he's going to take hit that step back three on you. That just That's just not there anymore. So P.J. Tucker, his old friend from Houston, can just lean on him all the time and he can switch different guys onto him and they can they can run stuff at him and not be worried about um, him being able to take advantage of it and attack them. And like I said, you you saw in game two in particular when Tyrese Maxey got going, he was able to use his speed and attack the defense in and create more problems for Miami than James Harden was with the ball. And for that to be the case two or three months after this trade, you know, it sets up, obviously it sets up a lot of difficulties for Philadelphia to get out of this series. You know, even if Joel Embiid comes back in tonight's game, which I think there's a decent chance that he'll be able to, if he can get through the concussion protocols, but, um, but it, it, it sets up obviously far bigger questions for them this summer as to how much money they want to pay James Harden and what his role is going to be with this team going forward. Yeah. So I said, if you, if you were a basketball fan, but didn't know anything about the NBA, and you went to the game uh, Wednesday night in Miami and watched that game where Maxi did he have 34 bond temps? Yeah, 34 last night. If you Wednesday. saw that game, you would say, boy, that young guard is really, really good. He's going to be their future. But what about, um, was, was Hardware number one? Yeah. What do you think about where, what do you think about number one? Oh, savvy veteran, you know, crafty, you know, he's definitely going to be like their, you know, he's got to be their veteran role playing playmaker. That's what you'd say. And if you know, and, and that's why if you're the Sixers, if you were looking at this fairly and you didn't have the 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 you know the overhanging thing that what you traded for him, um, you would probably say, okay, well, our 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 center is our star. Um, our future and the guy that we need to to construct around is is the is the two guard. And you know, Bon Temps made a reference to Mike Conley. Well, when the Jazz traded for Mike Conley. They gave two, I believe, was it was it two firsts or one first in Grayson Allen? They traded two first-round picks, a, a good role player in Jay Crowder, and Grayson Allen, the young okay. prospect. And, and Kyle Korver. Who, and Kyle Korver, who, which was salary at that point. Right. But that's okay. essentially the exact same package that the Nets got for James Harden. Well, minus Ben Simmons. I mean, well, true, right. like he said, right. like you said, it's the exact same package. Right. I, I, right. It was, <laughs> right, it was Ben I mean, Simmons plus that package. Right? I mean, it's especially, the same. Everything else checks out the same. Seth Curry, I Jay mean, Crowder, a couple first round picks. Especially now that we know that Ben Simmons had a pretty significant back injury. Um, I mean, it's possible that he herniated the disc when he was doing his ramp up with the Nets, which is when he reported the injury, but that seems unlikely considering he had back problems two years ago. The problem is not what the Sixers gave up. It's what they have to pay. 
And right. it's so, it's the it's the super max well, I'm just saying black cloud tr- hanging over if, that. If you're trying to quantify this, you're like, well, we we traded Ben Simmons, who was a difficulty for us, and he also apparently was pretty significantly injured. Um, I mean, again, I don't have the information or the doctor's reports, but I find it hard to believe his disc was not herniated during the at the tra- time of the trade mm-hmm. um, that he had to have surgery on today, Thursday. Um, so, like, if you look at it from that mindset, and you're like, "Well, the Sixers traded two first, Seth Curry and Andre Drummond, for you know Mike Conley." Now, and uh, Bontemps mentioned this to me earlier. Conley was 32 at the time of that trade. Harden is 32. Maybe he's maybe he's 33 now. It's turning 33, uh, I believe. And what contract did the did the Jazz give Conley? How much was that contract? He signed was, was about 24 a year. Yeah. Like partial guarantee on the third year. You know, he still had a couple of years under his contract when they, when they got him. Right. Um, well, I mean, Harden, it's not, he's not a $25 million player. He's worth more than that, but like, he's not a $55 million player, which is what this. Well, know, and again, think- that's what sets up. That's what sets up the interesting off season for them. You know, we probably shouldn't get that ahead of it since they could still win a couple of games here in Philly this weekend. But when you look at them going forward, James Harden is still a very good player, but he is not yeah. the guy that he was built to be. And so that leads to the question, is he going to be paid like the guy he was built to be or is he going to well, be paid something less? Let me ask you this. I mean, right now it's it feels doom and gloom and six are dumb. But if Embiid had played in those two games, you know, and we'll see if he plays this weekend. But if Embiid and played in those two games, Bontemps, one one, probably. I mean, is it? 1-1? I mean, I, I think you could argue that Philly could be up two zero in the series. I mean, Miami has not really impressed me very much. I mean, they hit a bunch of threes in game two, but they couldn't hit a shot in game one. Jimmy Butler got shut down by Tobias Harris in game one, and you know, as we've talked about a lot with the Heat this year, you know, your boy Tyler Hero is really the guy that they have to go to to generate offense in the half court, and you know, Bam has been destroying them inside because they're going up against you know, Paul Reed and DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap for a few minutes in game one. And then George Niang on a bad knee in game two. I mean, he fouled out in 10 minutes. They tried to play him. That was crazy. That was crazy. I didn't realize that. You like said that in passing to me. He's like, well, George Niang fouled out in 10 minutes. I thought you were kind of like embellishing. No, he actually did. foul out in 10 minutes. minutes. Yeah. Cause they're trying. Cause again, cause that's the thing. Like, you know, people who, were criticizing who, who was reffing. Was it Tony Brothers? Because man, he wore his whistle out. Uh, <laughs> game two of Mavs Suns. He was he was busy at Mavs Suns the later Jeez. that night. Um, but look, that's the thing. Like there have been all sorts of criticisms here at Doc Rivers. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. Look, if you want to try to play small with this team, you got George on a bad knee. You got Matisse Thibel, who's decided he doesn't want to shoot the ball anymore. He's been a mess ever since he wasn't able to go to Canada to play. Um, you know, Danny Green is two for fourteen from three in the series. You know, Doc dusted off Furkan Korkmaz yesterday. He played pretty well. But, like, there's not – there's just not a lot of options here. You know, you take one of the five best players oh, in the world. Okay, the that, but okay, was, but my point is – stuck. Real quick, because we mentioned the officials. Did you did you guys see the video that the officials put out about Jack, Jack Harlow? Harlow? Scott Foster thing? I mean, uh, if you're very online, you probably know about this. If mm-hmm. not, I encourage you to – do you know what he's talking I mean, about, I, this man? Yeah. So I didn't even watch the video. You know, I just saw I just saw it somewhere. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, during the the game one of the Celtics uh, 
um, Bucks the other night. They had uh, Scott Foster wired for sound, and Jack Harlow was sitting courtside. They showed him on the on the video board during a timeout, and Foster and Ed Malloy uh, were talking about how they didn't know who he was, and that generated you know significant reaction. And so uh, Scott Foster made a hastily produced yet still very funny video. Um, go to the, try to find the NBA uh, refs uh, as, account uh, if you haven't seen it. As, as James Harden's old pal Chris Paul once said, Scott Foster, he the man. That's who they pay to see. <laughs> Can I be honest about uh, something here? Um, if not for the Lemon Pepper Lou Will saga during the bubble time, I might not know who Jack Harlow is either. <laughs> well, it was just funny. Anyway, my point on the whole thing about, about Philly is that if Embiid was playing and if Tyrese Maxey was their young developing star and Tobias Harris was playing high-level uh, basketball and James Harden was your number two-and-a-half option, some nights two, some nights three, some nights maybe every once in 10 games, he gets up 19 shots and he scores 28 points. <laughs> um, I mean, that would be a good team. It wouldn't be the team that they envisioned. It wouldn't be the team that um, that they would hope for, but it would still be a good team. And if, depending on how, how high Maxi's ceiling is, who knows? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think, you know, if it, this is what, you know, you mentioned JJ Reddick. I was going on the shots kick. Well, you know, he can't get shots this week. And JJ, I was on a show with JJ, and Jay's like, JJ goes, maybe you don't want him to take that many shots. Maybe if, Maybe if his efficiency isn't there, maybe 15 shots is fine. Maybe you don't want him to, to get it. And I thought that's a level-headed way of looking at it. Maybe this is just a new normal and James Harden will have this active his career um, and still be a productive player. But, you know, well, like Sixers- I said, it's not it's not that he stinks. That's the thing. It's like it's right. it's a more complicated thing than that. If, if he's not really like Russell Westbrook, who's just absolutely demolishing his team all year. I mean, you're talking about a guy who still is an elite playmaker and can do a lot of stuff to help you win games. It's just that, again, he was brought in here and trumpeted as a guy who is a top 10 MVP caliber championship level player when really he's more of a borderline all-star 25th to 30th best player in the mm-hmm. league. That's a good complimentary piece. And that's just not what he was billed as. And that's why, you know, again, you look at these two games in Miami, the Heat were okay. They weren't great. Certainly, I think they're going to get drilled if they play like this in the next round against whoever they play. And, you know, they, these were games that Philly had on the on their plate that they could potentially steal one, even without Joel. And while a lot of it was they went 14 for 64 from three, it also was the fact that the guy who was their best player is just not good enough to win that kind of game anymore. And, you know, we've talked on the pod about how he did not pick up his option as mm-hmm. was all assumed he was going to be which means he could be a free agent at the end of the season. He also could pick up his option and extend off of that. He could pick up his option, get traded and extend. He could pick up his option and extend with Philadelphia, but he picks up that option for 47 million. You know, if he was an unrestricted free agent, would he get 47 million no. from anybody? Nobody has 47 million. I mean, yeah, the Sixers I mean, could pay him that. Well, Nobody else. I mean, there could be signs and trades. I mean, you know, but I'm just saying like, He's, he's he not may, a $47 million player. Right. No. Well, look, maybe Philly comes to him and says, James, do not pick up that option for $47 million and let's negotiate a four-year contract. You know, But like now, 
now Philly may actually be like, actually, we're kind of happy you didn't pick up that option because yeah. we can now negotiate with them. And you know, you know what's crazy? You know who's playing like a $47 million player is Chris Paul. And Chris Paul last year could have made $44 million. He opted out and then re-signed a deal, taking a significant pay cut, which honestly, I, I you know, Chris Paul's a hell of a businessman. I still don't understand why exactly he did that. Well, but- he did it in theory so that the Suns can keep this team together and pay DeAndre Ayton and pay Cam Johnson and maybe even spend some mid-level money in the mm-hmm. offseason. Like I don't I know said, if they are. I don't, like I said, I don't understand why he did that. Um, but and <laughs> well, hey, he, if you he want to win, if you want to be optimistic, uh, looking at James Harden, you can say, "Hey, Chris Paul looked like he was slowing down uh, a few years back. You know, look, he had hamstring trouble. He didn't have the same burst. He wasn't the same player his second year in Houston. Um, obviously, the Rockets made some rash decisions in part based on that. And look how he's bounced back." Now, do I think James Harden is going to go vegan and and be just ruthlessly and relentlessly dedicated 24 hours, seven days a week, uh, 365 days a year to work on his body? No, I, no, I don't. <laughs> no, well, I Chris do not Paul, believe that. So he had the hamstring injury in the conference finals uh, against the Warriors uh, game six. And he came back for his second year with the Rockets and he had another hamstring injury mm-hmm. shortly before the All-Star break. Uh, or maybe it wasn't shortly before the All-Star break. He came back after the All-Star break. He had he had it early, you know, midway through the first half of the season. That was when I believe, and I could have this timeline wrong, and please don't use it against me if I do. He began working out. He went to Miami and began working out with David Alexander, mm-hmm. who has trained numerous NBA players um, as a personal trainer. I mean, like there's a number of guys over the years who have been trainers, who've been very successful, Tim Grover, um, David Alexander. The reason I even know who he is is because his group helped LeBron when he had back in uh, back problems, um, at the end of his Miami years and then early in his Cleveland years and his, you know, obviously LeBron did the work, but with his group's help helped extend his dominating window. And I remember when he came back, from being with David for, for a month or so. And in the second half of that season, he looked, he started looking different and he is really, you know, he's obviously done the work and changed a lot more than just those workouts, but um, you know, and, and, but he'd always been crazy dedicated and obviously put everything into it, but he changed the way he went about things. He had a, a, you know, he had a strength coach who was a good friend of his brought him from the Clippers to the Rockets and, and he parted ways with him. Uh, you know, at this time you're talking about Wendy, because he felt like, Hey, I've got to do something different. My body's not cooperating. I've got to figure out a way to uh, not just extend his career, but get back to being the kind of player that he was before. And you know what? He's done it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, right now, Harden, as far as I know, I mean, I again, I could be behind the curve on this. I'm not checking on it daily. I don't even think he's got an agent at this point. I know um, he has a business manager who uh, helps him. Yeah. Um, his, his business manager is uh, Lorenzo McLeod, who has been a friend of his for you know pretty much their whole lives. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Lorenzo played college at the University of the Pacific um, and played – along with a family member of mine and they made the NCAA tournament. So uh, excellent uh, college player, but I mean, um, 
I'm just saying, you know, that, and maybe, I mean, I'm just saying he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have the full support staff that mm-hmm. um, other players do. So, um, you know, this is, uh, you know, maybe is it, is there any world where he just picks up the option and tries again in a year? Is that, is that possible, anything that's sure. possible? I'd say anything's possible. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard to see. I'm sure he's focused on this series, but it's hard not to let your mind wander before we move on. Um, Bon Temps, is there any, you know, you've talked about the heat has been mildly underwhelming. If you can be underwhelming being the number one seed and being up two Oh, but, um, what about the, what have you taken away from watching the heat these first two games other than Tyler heroes, unstoppable firepower on offense, leading him to win six man of the year. Their defense is really awesome and their offense is questionable. And it's the thing that I've been worried about in terms of them being a true championship level team. I mean, when they're, when they've got their, their groups out there with Bam and you know when Kyle's healthy, Bam, Kyle, Jimmy, and, and PJ, that's a pretty devastating mm. foursome of guys. And when they put Max Struess in there as the fifth starter, another big stocky guy who can switch, you know, he can, you know, bang on some guys like they, their defense is really, really good. Um, but in the half court, especially if they're not making threes, they can look pretty bad. And you know, that's how they looked yeah. in game one. They went nine you know, for 36 from three in game one, and they hit half their threes in game two. And that's sort it, of what their team is. You know, it's remarkable. You know, the Heat have started, and it's because of injury to Kyle Lowry. <laughs> but you mentioned Max Struess. They've been starting two guys, Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, who are undrafted. And I don't know if they're at the minimum salary. Um, Gabe Vincent might be slightly higher than that. I think they're both their minimums. But they both earn less than $2 million a year. And yep. they are they are starting and being very effective. Well, um, and, 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 and Max Struess replaced another undrafted guy who now is making a lot more than $2 million, but came up in that same path. Well, you know, Duncan Robinson hasn't played really at all in this series. He got some junk minutes in game two. How many minutes would Duncan Robinson and how many shots would Duncan Robinson get if he was on the Sixers? A lot and a lot. <laughs> to illustrate, you know, the, just the, the difference between these two teams in terms of death. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hit strikeouts, Grand Salami's web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. All right, uh, Bond, or, uh, McMahon, your series. Um, I've spent a lot of time with the Suns this year, covered them in the last round. Watch them lower the boom, uh, particularly Chris Paul in the fourth quarter of uh, really three of the four games, pretty much won it in the fourth. Um, they're at it again. 
Um, Luca has been excellent, awesome in game one. Offensively. Very good. Yeah. Uh, what's your takeaways from what you've watched the first two in this one? I mean, the Suns are awesome. <laughs> they are awesome. Every Everything you try, they've got an answer for. Chris Paul is the smartest player in the game. Last night was another Chris Paul fourth quarter master class. Uh, not the whole fourth quarter, just the first half of it because the damage was done at that point. Um, he, he was just absolutely dominant. And they are basically basically they are saying hey we don't if, if Lucas scores 40 and has to work for it we can live with that we don't want the rest of the guys to get going we don't want you know Brunson and Dinwiddie and and you know to 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 get in a rhythm we don't want Finney Smith and Bullock and these other guys Maxi Kleba you know to get clean threes off of ball movement um and then they're just I mean they are as ruthlessly hunting Luca defensively as I've seen the entire relentless relentlessly. Yes. The entire second half last night was screen after screen. Come on. Who's Lucas. Who's Luca? Bring that guy up time after time after time. And man, he got, he got roasted and you know, Devin Booker had his way with him. Chris Paul had his way with him. Hey, those are, those are all stars. Those are superstars. There was a couple of times Jay Crowder had his way with him. <laughs> that 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 was concerning and you know jason kidd sean sweeney you know the the, the mavericks coaching staff they've got to come up with some sort of a way to try to figure this out but again the problem is when you've got chris paul as the as the you know brains of the operation and just his skill you've got devin booker uh you know bridges is a is a big time uh complimentary player offensively DeAndre Ayton who was in foul trouble all, a lot last night so he wasn't even that big a part of it was really big for the first three quarters of game one you know the Suns plain and simple like I don't see how the Mavericks can beat him in a in, forget in a series I don't know how the Mavericks can maybe even get this thing to well six. haven't the Suns beaten them 11 or 12 times in a row yeah and so I didn't yes and a lot of that was uh, you know, several of those games with Chris Paul closeout performances, you know, those type of things, Chris crunch time, Chris Paul, uh, crown jewel factor. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> oh, Hone's factor. Um, but I, so the Mavericks are different, you know, the, the, the Mavericks after trading poor Zingas, right. Dinwiddie been a big part of their success down the stretch. They're a much better defensive team this year than they've been in years past. So I didn't necessarily put too much stock into that coming into the series, recognize that the Suns were the clear cut favorites because they've been by far the best team in the league. But again, at the, that streak, I didn't put much stock into <laughs> the, the, this, this drastically improved Mavericks defense though. They did not make the trip to Phoenix. It was Chris Paul and Devin Booker getting what they wanted when they wanted for pretty much the whole first two games, but, and especially in the sec, they shot 84.2% in the fourth quarter last night. Well, and that they shot yeah. 75, they had a, their true shooting percentage was 75.7% for the game. Our stats and info folks tell us it's the second best in any playoff game ever topped only by the Clippers in game five of 2020 first round against. against yeah, Dallas in the bubble. Yeah. Dallas Mavericks. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's uh, 
it has been, and and the Mavericks would also be wise, maybe not to fall in a double digit hole. They were able to climb out of it in game two, game one. They never got out of it. That was wire to wire Suns. But uh, it's funny because some of the Mavericks playfully they're not they're they're they were perturbed that uh, it was twenty to nothing on the ESPN predictions, and and I particularly had to hear a little bit about it. Um, I apologize to, uh, to one of them. And I said, uh, I, I apologize if you're offended that I think it's going to be a competitive series against the top seed in the entire league. Um, <laughs> but, uh, what did you I'm pick? Not, uh, Suns and seven. Suns yeah. And, six? and honestly, I thought that was kind of homering it up. <laughs> I thought yeah. Suns and six, I gave it an extra game. So I didn't have to hear too much crap from people. <laughs> yeah. Heard and, a little uh, bit. And, and good luck getting there. Um, I'm not picking against the Suns the next series. And I'm not picking against them the series after that. Mm. That's a championship like- team. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I I picked Dallas to win the series for a couple of reasons. One, well, I wasn't, wasn't sure. 20-0. Well, I didn't I didn't submit it for I put I tweeted it. I didn't put it on the site. <laughs> oh. Uh, I didn't <laughs> wait, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. No, why? Why? <laughs> Why not put it on the site if you're going to tweet? Because it? I didn't. I didn't he could have blame the pick. He could no. He could I didn't blame have picks. I could have yeah. blame the hackers. Yeah, he could blame that. I would. I would go with the hacker excuse after those first two no, games. I mean, listen. I mean, listen. I, I would say there's a couple things, right? Obviously, I wasn't sure what Devin Booker would look like. He has looked very good. Um, yeah. You know, I thought Luca would be able to play really well in that series. He has played really well offensively. To your mm-hmm. point, clearly the Mavs. If you're trying to look at what can they do to get back in the series. They need to get Jalen Brunson and Spencer Didwin involved earlier in the game because we've seen this a lot with Luke. I mean, man, you've seen this all a ton of times, right? Luke has these incredible first halves. He's involved in every play. He's scoring all these points, and then he runs out of gas down the stretch yep. and fall. You know, his offense kind of tails off and his defense tails off as a result. So they've got to lessen his workload, whether it's minutes, shots, touches, whatever. They got to get those other guys involved more. So he has gas at the end of the game to keep up for what you know. You know, Brian's talked about it a bunch, right? Chris Paul is waiting there in the weeds the whole mm-hmm. game to come out in the fourth quarter and punch you in the mouth. So you got to be ready to match that in fourth quarter. And the other thing, too, look, the Suns have been incredible. The Suns may well win the championship. The Suns are also suiting an absolutely absurd percentage <laughs> on long twos. Yeah. Like, if you look at some but, of these but, numbers. But, but who's shooting them? Well, now listen. For as good as Chris Paul and Devin Booker are on these shots, and they're great at them, they're like 10 to 15 points better than their regular season and career numbers on these shots. Like, for to give people context, the, the Chris Paul and Devin Booker are great mid-range shooters, right? If you shoot somewhere around 50%, that's great on those mm-hmm. shots. They're shooting north of 60% in the playoffs on these shots. Like, that is just not... That's not a sustainable number, even if you're awesome at it. So... At, at some point, I think that shot, that that shooting has to normalize a little bit as this thing goes along. I'm not saying it will against Dallas, but that is the thing that I think if you're trying to to pick a nit with the Suns and figure out why would they maybe not be able to beat a Celtics team or a Bucks team down the road, because I'm with you, whoever they play out of the other series, I'm picking them to win for sure. I thought Dallas was the best opportunity to beat them in the West. That doesn't look like it's well, going to happen. It could still, it could still, still could. So good, but doesn't look like it's going to happen. But, they're going to win four out of five. Well, I no, mean, probably not. But I mean, they could, they could, they could scare them a little bit. Um, I do, I do think the no, series Chris, could shift I, a little Chris, bit in their direction. Chris Paul's health is everything. 
Chris right, Paul I mean, him and Devin Booker. I mean, Devin Booker, we've talked like he just had a hamstring issues, had a bunch. Chris has had a bunch of issues like they if they have all their guys, though, they're going to be really good. But like I was saying, they, they shoot a lot of long twos, right? They don't get to the rim a ton. They don't shoot a ton of threes. They don't shoot a ton of foul shots. They execute brilliantly and they take a lot of shots that they like, but they're not the most efficient shots and they're hitting them right now. at like you might I mean, they're like layups right now. I mean, if they keep shooting like that, like last night, I was sitting in the heat uh, media room with Fredell uh, in the fourth quarter and we were watching. It was just every time they came down, it was just Chris Paul bucket, Devin Booker bucket, Chris Paul bucket, Devin Booker bucket. It was like a video game. Uh, it was it was crazy. But is that an know, intentional I, video game? So I comment? do think if you're Dallas, you could probably normalize that a little bit. You get Luca. It was not. It was just how it was. It was um, but I. I just think ultimately if you're Dallas, you got to get Luca more guests down the stretch. You got to get those other guys involved and you got to, you know, count on Phoenix missing some of these shots that so far they've not. And, and you know what? One really good way to get Jalen Brunson in the groove is to not have him get in really early foul trouble. What happened which twice. Yeah. Which he's done both games and, and, and that's yep. a problem. And, and I'm just Spencer Dinwiddie's had, he was very good in the closeout game in Utah. Other than that, He's not had a very good postseason. You know, Brunson obviously lit the Jazz up uh, for for most of that series, um, but didn't didn't what he really? He was so good after the trade for the Mavericks. You know, through the rest of the regular season, he's not been that guy in the playoffs yet. And if they don't have at least one of those two guys, that you know, forget about it. Yeah, he's got to be. They both have to be better for them to have a chance for sure. I see everything through LeBron prism. So sorry, I apologize. Um, it took six, seven years, and maybe even longer, really, because the LeBron championship machine didn't start till Eric Spolstra started playing Bosch at center, and you totally spread the floor. Mm-hmm. But it took six or seven years for the Cavs to figure out the personnel packaging and to acquire those players yeah. where LeBron could be optimized. Um, in his sixth year, they won 66 games. In his seventh year, I think they won 62 those were contenders. They weren't, it wasn't a crime that they didn't win the title. It was a disappointment. They didn't make the finals. And that's why he left, but it, it took some time. I'm not sure that Dallas has completely figured out the, the, you know, the arrangement that's that maximizes no, Luca. Absolutely know? not. And, and the Porzingis trade was an admission of that. The, what they figured out was, Hey, Porzingis is not going to be, the co-star that is, uh, you know, Luke is going to win a championship with like that, that fits not there. That's not working. Uh, Porzingis was not a positive trade asset. And then, and that was the motivation behind that yep. deal. Hope they could get Dinwiddie to play like he did down the stretch of the regular season. Hope they could get some quality minutes out of, out of Bertans. And he actually, you know, has played okay uh, here and there in this series, but that, that, that was a trade about, you know, getting more flexibility in terms of two smaller contracts that, you know, when there are trades, those are easier to move than Porzingis on a max deal. So that it was, a, you know, that was a complete admission. This season for the Mavericks has been a step forward in terms of getting out of the first round. Also, just in terms of, you know, f- kind of at least figuring out what's not going to work long term in the future and trying yep. to position themselves to you know, have a chance to have more, uh, you know, a, 
better swings at it when there are opportunities. And it certainly isn't going to be some kind of a, a crime if they don't beat Phoenix, right? To your point, right. like mm-hmm. they, they lost two hard fought series to the Clippers last year, which might've been the single worst matchup for them in the playoffs. They played them both really tough both years. And if they lose, you know, say they win one or two games at home here and they lose in five or six, even to Phoenix, that's certainly not going to be a, uh, a disappointing outcome. Like to your point, McMahon, there's a lot for them to build on going forward. This is just getting started really for them. All right. Trivia time. Uh-oh. Trivia is brought to you by CarMax. Shop online and on the lot with home delivery in select markets. Bond temps. Now it's time for a hoop collective trivia. So courtesy of Stats Williams. What is your Twitter password? That's the trivia question. What is your Twitter password? Courtesy of uh, Stats Williams, our guy. uh, Jason Tatum, through his uh, age 22 season, which was last year, uh, that's as of what your birthday is as of January 31st in the year. So he turned 23 later on. But through his age 22 season, he played in 50 playoff games. Wow. There's four guys who, through their age 22 season, have played in more than 50 playoff games. Who are they? Kobe. Kobe's one of them. LeBron. LeBron is not one of them. That was a trick. He's probably played in like 48. Probably played in like 48. Well, didn't he miss the playoffs his first two years? Yeah, that's say, true. He, he did. But to, I was thinking 22. Yeah, it would only be four years. It would only, right. yeah, you okay. have to be drafted young on a, not just a playoff team, but a team that's winning playoff so, series. Yeah, so it's all guys from the last, from this century. Deshaun Stevenson. That is, is not a, is not him no. either. That would have been a good. Um, are any of these I mean, other none of these other guys? Are, let me ask this: sure. Are any of these other guys like perennial all-star type of players? Yes. Hmm. Three Hall of Famers. Oh, wow! We should. Well, be better like, okay, I, I should. Let me rephrase: three guys who are either are are in or going to be Hall. Of Carmelo Famers. Anthony. Not him. No, they didn't win playoffs. Yeah. Um, Dwayne Wade. Nope. No, no he was came like in, he was drafted he came in. Yep. All right. That was a fat that's, that's why it's a that's why it's a tough question. Yeah. You like come I'm, in early I'm thinking and be like on a good the, team. I'm thinking of the best like, uh, you know, like KG wasn't wasn't winning playoffs. Well, definitely series. wasn't him. So um, let me give you. A, so another hint. There are two sets of teammates. Hmm. So Kobe, the Kobe being Kobe. Kobe gives you one team, and then there's another team. Devin George. Not Devin George. Devin George. Not Shaq. Shaq was drafted old. Not Shaq. Nope. Played Shaq's position, though. Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum. Yeah, mm. Andrew That's Bynum. the other Laker. Mm-hmm. So there's one other. I, I figured that would be the hardest one. When you when you come up with the other team, I think you'll get this pretty quick. So the, the other two guys played for another team. That was in the playoffs all the time, and they played really young and played a lot of games right away. And they're both going to be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, this is we're going to feel dumb when we don't get. This. Yeah, yeah. We'll just think about teams that have been in the playoffs all the time for well, the past twenty St- years. Steph, Steph, and Clay. Tony Parker. Tony, Tony Parker. Tony Parker is one of them. It ain't uh, Duncan, is it? Duncan no, is a four-year no, guy. No. Bruce Bowen. No. no. Who who else was I obviously in the Hall of Fame? <laughs> How dare you? Who was another who was another spur who's gonna be in the Hall of Fame? Kawhi who walked it and Kawhi Leonard is the Duh. Other. I forgot. All right, you walked us through. You walked us <laughs> through that one. All right. 
We'll take uh, good credit. One. That was a good one. That's all credit to Stats, Stats Williams, our guy. All right. Um, so the series I'm covering, um, Milwaukee, Boston. Um, good lead in. I was hoping we'd go into that after the Tatum yeah. question. Jason Tatum played a very, very professional second half of game two. I don't know if it got recognized as much because uh, Jalen Brown was on fire at 25 point first quarter. Um, so in the first round against Kevin Durant, Boston put forth a defensive strategy and execution on Durant that I've rarely seen that effective. They were extremely physical with him, bothered him, used their um, length, used their depth um, at those positions, really gave him problems. Durant ended up shooting 38% in that series. He had some points, but not efficiently. Mm-hmm. And he had five, averaged five, plus, five and a half, 5.3 turnovers per game. He just... They got up into him and bothered him, and he just wasn't great. Um, two games into the Buck series, Giannis, 38% shooting, five turnovers average per game. Uh, in game one, the uh, Celtics really collapsed on Giannis. It was very effective. He uh, was only 9 of 25 shooting. Um, he fed his teammates on the perimeter, and they knocked down a bunch of threes. Um, had a great shooting uh, game. I think they had 13 threes, which is very good for Milwaukee. In game two, they stayed home more on him. Uh, Al Horford and Grant Williams being the primary defenders. And they got out to the shooters a little bit. And also Milwaukee just missed shots. And they only went, I think, three of... I think they only made three threes in the game and got handled. Um, and that's the way I think they're going to play going forward, sort of daring Giannis. Um, Giannis is 7 of 24 shooting against Al Horford as a primary defender in the two games. And um, he's 5 of 13 against Grant Williams, who had the best game I've ever seen him play in game two. Um, I don't know if this will last. And certainly you have to agree at the that, that Chris Middleton missing is a factor. But... The defense and, you know, but in game two, in fairness, Marcus Smart was out. The defensive level that the Celtics are playing with, the game plan discipline, the um, the just I'm going to step up here and handle my business. I'm going to, you know, you know, I'm going to, you know, because they've, what they've really done is got up into Giannis. They want to be up into him so they can't swing his arms around. He can't move. I mean. You know, they're practically standing on his toes <clears throat> and um, he's just, he's just, con- he just constantly looks uncomfortable and it kind of like Durant. It's kind of uh, different there, but uh, you know what? I know he shot nine and 25 in game one. He dominated that game. He didn't look I know uncomfortable he in that game. Yeah, he I wasn't, he-, he wasn't uncomfortable in game one. He was just missing shots. Uh... Yeah. The Low Post Podcast brings you some of the best insights into the world of the NBA, hosted by NBA insider Zach Lowe. Playoffs are here, and Lowe will be there with what you need to know. Listen to The Low Post wherever you find your podcasts. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. 
Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. He no. didn't look comfortable with the ball. He I mean, that's he, that's an insane statement. He no, missed he, he missed he missed shots in game one. You want to say the Celtics knocked him off his spots a couple times and that helped him be, miss some shots? Yeah, he was he was definitely comfortable with the ball. He was diamond no. up guys on the perimeter for threes. No, and they were like down the court. Yeah, there were four or five passes he made where he drove and collapsed the defense and they were spectacular. Like I mean, one how time, did he one get time the he ball there type passes? One time he threw a howitzer. He went under the basket and did this hook shot howitzer mm-hmm. pass. Like I thought it was going to take the guy's head off who we threw it to. I mean, he was I incredible know. in that game. He's really good. He's really good. I yeah, agree. He's the best player on the planet, but I, he, he was not. That's all I'm saying. He wasn't uncomfortable with the ball. Yeah. Anymore, and that was no. the problem. All right. Well, and, I'm not going to split hairs. They, they were, they were very good on him. In game one, they were outstanding in game two. In the first half, he was really uncomfortable with game two. He got rolling in the in the third quarter. Yeah. You know, it was too late. Um, the 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 Celtics had and plus the Celtics shot the hell out of the ball in the first half. And that that thing that you know, that that was over by halftime. Um, but I I will dis game one, and I know the the shooting line was ugly, but he was a an absolutely dominant force in that game. He was a dominant force, but he was a dominant force as a distributor, which is what they want. So he, he played well, no, into their I, I would actually disagree with that, too. That's not what they want. They they lost game one because they allowed the other guys on the Bucks to beat them. That was why they lost game one. They, they, they lost game for two reasons. One, they couldn't hit a shot. And two, they let the other guys hit shots. And in game two, the difference was they didn't let those guys even get shots off. I think they only had 15 three-point attempts the entire game in game That's two, right. Right? right? That was clearly, clearly, Emi Odoka talked a lot about it going into game two. They're like, look, we we overhelped on Giannis in game one, and we we went recklessly to try to help him uh, and def- defending him, and we gave up open threes, and we can't do that. We got to stay at home. I mean, if, if you scores, guys want to split hairs, fine. Their defense well, on Giannis in this series in the two. Well, I know, games but Brian, you're. Excellent. I mean, you're fund. I know it was, but you're you're kind of fundamentally distorting what the Celtics did in Game Two. The whole point was to not let the other guys beat them. Yeah, but listen, man, they still had plenty of guys around Giannis. I know that they didn't collapse exactly the same way. Well, they they did a little bit more two point nine defense, but. Well, yeah, that's they- entirely the point, though. They didn't get. They gave up fifteen three point attempts the entire game. That's an insanely low percentage in today's game. Like that was the whole game plan. We was, can't it was, let it was 18, but still. Right. They went, sorry. They went three of 18. Three of three. I was saying it was three of 15 instead of three. Modern of NBA teams don't win going three of 18. Yeah. Like that. And that, and they like, you're obviously going to send other guys to Giannis. You can't double, you can't single cover him no matter who you have the whole game. That that's the point. But in game one, they were not only missing open threes on offense. They were giving up open threes on defense. And that that's the recipe for disaster against the Bucks. And especially the Bucks without Chris Middleton, because you don't have to worry about a lot of these other guys unless they're standing there hitting an open three. So 
now they they're making Giannis take all these tough shots. You're you're 100 right about how they're guarding him. Like it's incredibly hard for him to get clean looks, which is not something he's used to. But that to me was the key difference in game two is that they said we're going to make Giannis take all these hard shots, and we're not like McMahon said going to allow him to dime guys up all over the place and get them open shots. If they do that, I don't think the Bucks can score enough to beat them if they play like they did in game two, if they play like they did in game one and let Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis get open three pointers to get feeling good. Then I think it gets a lot harder to guard the box as the series goes along. Well, if they hold Giannis to that efficiency level, and I understand he did have a good second half, but they still, it was a very, it was a very acceptable efficiency level. Mm-hmm. If they hold Giannis to that kind of efficiency level, and they're going to force him into those turnovers like that, they're going to have a great chance. And, um, uh, Middleton has been ruled out of games three and four. After that, Mike Budenholzer said, we'll see. I don't know if you can seems extraordinary. That. I shouldn't say extraordinary. It seems very unlikely he's going to be able to play by every account in the series. Yeah. Uh, at this point, I would agree. Um, so uh, the, the, the Celtics, you know, they, they only played seven guys in game two because Marcus Smart was out. The rotation is tight. They're not getting much offensively at all from Derek White. Um, they praise his defense, and their whole, their all their defense deserves praise, in my opinion. Um, they praise his defense, but they really got game two done with, you know, four offensive options, four or four and a half offensive options. I mean, Peyton Pritchard's out there, and if you leave him wide open, he can burn you. Um, but you know, you're not running plays for him. So their, their margin is kind of, they need things to go right, but, um, just, uh, the, the defense is just spectacular. And well, they, they've got a chance to have the best defense I've ever seen with this group. Like you go, those top seven guys, like the, the best defense I've seen in the modern era, certainly while I've covered the league is the, the 2019 Raptors that won the title where they, they had smart, high IQ, awesome defensive players, mm-hmm. just about at every spot and the Celtics top seven guys they're starting lineup of Marcus you know smart Tatum Brown Horford and Robert Williams and then Grant Williams and Derek White those seven guys they're all plus defenders they're all big for their position they all physically could get into people and like what you're talking about Brian with Giannis Ime Udoko when he's talking about his team he, he always uses the word physical he wants them to be physical and up in guys and aggressive and be physically imposing kind of like he is on the sideline I mean, you see him walking around the sideline. He looks every bit the former player. Oh, my God. Walking around on the he sideline. He is an absolute house. Yeah, he's oh a beast. My God. And, and, he, oh my and his God. teams play his teams play a lot like he did. Like he has the Celtics playing like he did as a player. Like he ground out a career as a guy who was a, you know, eighth, ninth guy who worked his ass off on defense and got up into guys and hit a hit up spot up three. But. He was a guy who grounded out on defense and turned himself into a player. I'll I'll tell you what, man, there's just nothing easy. They fight you on every screen. If you don't have, like, if you go weak to the rim, like if you kind of are, you know, are too slow or you get a bad angle and you put up kind of a weak shot, number 44, Robert Williams just eats it. He's just like, you can't lollygag. You know, even when you've got an open look, you got to do it because if you are a little bit out of sorts and you give him time to rotate over, wham, he's there. And they've been smart. The last few months when they really took off, they sort of put him into a, he's sort of in a permanent help spot where they don't like, he can obviously really, he can isolate defense really well too, but 
they try to have him playing in the help on help side defense as much as possible. And then when anybody does drive, like you said, he comes flying over to smack the shot into the second row. Um, but you know, like they, they could switch with any of those guys. Like Marcus can guard centers, Grant white yard, Grant Williams can guard, you know, Kevin Durant and Giannis and guard guards and bigs like it. Al Horford can guard guards. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about it a lot that play that sequence at the end of game one against the, against the team. We don't talk about anymore when, um, you know, Al Horford came on and off Kyrie two or three times in that one possession defensively to make sure Kyrie didn't get a shot off. Like they no, Al, just... Al Horford halted the revolution. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're just they're incredibly gifted off defensively. And I like I said earlier, I think whoever wins this series to me, barring injury, I think they're going to take care of presumably the heat in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're going to be a hell of a finals you know, again, health, health permitting, we're far away away. But if either of these two teams is healthy playing the Suns in the finals, we're going to be in for a treat. Yeah. And Giannis can do so much. You, you know, we were haggling back and forth about his playing game one. I don't think he played even that well, but he's so good and so talented and so assured about himself that he can make plays. And um, he made a whole bunch of plays in game one. He's going to need, he's going to need to, be full Giannis to have them get three more wins in this series. It's going to be does fun it, to watch. Does it take a little athleticism and confidence to throw it off the uh, backboard to yourself for a dunk in a half court set in a playoff game? That was a wild play. He might I was glad have, I was in the building for that one. Might have walked on. That. I, mean, he definitely, I mean, he stop. definitely walked, but it was but, still, it was still, yeah. Right. He tried to do it again in game two. It didn't quite work. Okay, and, well, and, 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 and John Morant carries the ball sometimes. Stop crying. That's true. Enjoy the high transition. Yeah. Uh, well, like before that. we get to that, all right, so here's the oh, situation right. is this. It, okay, it's a new month, McMahon, and that means it's time for your spotlight. And we have been requested to rename this segment by our boss, Andrew Hahn. Wah, wah, wah. In case it could be sponsored someday. And I know that no self-respecting sponsor would want to put their name on something that resembles male anatomy. So here is Tim McMahon with this month's crowned jewel. Let's say that name is going to stay crown jewel player of the month. McMahon. All right. So basically I'm making this the, I don't care about the last couple weeks of the regular season. Um, we're not, you know, it's April. We're not worried about that, right? When, when we give this award out for April, we're talking about the first round of the playoffs. And so, you know, th- that's what we're looking at for the <clears throat> crown jewel player of the month in April. Jackson and, says we can keep calling cojones until it's sold. So it's going to be cojones. We're back to cojones. We're back. We're back, baby. <laughs> cojones factors back, baby, until the crown jewel pays off. So <laughs> let's just run through them real quick. We will start off with the bronze medalist. This is everybody's favorite MVP runner-up. I believe he, he bring the microphone back from your face. He got so excited. He got, he got, he got oh, my bad. I, I, I pulled a bond temps from, from yeah, last week. Yeah. <laughs> Hope I don't get hacked because of it. Uh, but Hey man, Joel Embiid, you thought it was the first like turnaround buzzer beater ever by a, uh, by a seven footer that may or may not be the case, but the man did hit a playoff buzzer beater uh, to, to win game three. Then he went for 33 and 10 
in an elimination game when it looked like the Sixers might be on some shaky ground. He basically said, no, that ain't the way it's going. Unfortunately, he took an elbow when his work should have been done. Uh, Not sure why he was up or in the game up 29, but that's, that doesn't factor into this award. Uh, Looking forward to the return of the Phantom of the Process, hopefully soon, but Joel Embiid, (laughs) the bronze medal of the, uh, the crown jewel. Sure. Uh, The silver medal, the closeout king, and boy, this has continued into this series, but just what Chris Paul did in that series against uh, the Pelicans. I mean, you talk about putting the finishing touches on a series, 14 of 14. Mm. He basically pitched a perfect game in game six, 33 points. His fourth quarter stats for that series, 61 points on 66.7% shooting, 18 assists, and only four turnovers. And then, you know, this is an award that's given out for a combination of clutch performance and, and swag. I did award bonus points for the pettiness of pretending <laughs> not to know how to pronounce Jose Alvarado's name after old Grand Theft Alvarado. You know, he didn't get the best of CP3, but he hounded him pretty good all series long. He certainly, he, he pestered him well enough to where Chris Paul knew how to say the man's name, and he had to pretend that he didn't in the post-game six press conference. I award bonus points. The, the P in CP3 is for Petty, and he shined in that role after that. So he got some bonus points for that. But the Who gold beat medals. These guys? Jeez. All right, come on, dude. This, this one really wasn't hard. John Morant, as, as his oh. father T so eloquently said, pretty much played like trash by his standards in the first round, except for when the Grizzlies really needed him to come through. And it was almost like he was playing with the Timberwolves. Oh, look at those cute little double-figure leads you have going in the fourth quarter. Let (laughs) me snatch that one. Let me snatch that one. Let me snatch that one. And obviously, the most impressive work came in Game 5 when not only did he uh, give Malik Beasley a close-up view of the crown jewels, uh, on a spectacular dunk in at, near the end of the third quarter and to kind of just pump life into that crowd. But the man scored 18 points in the fourth quarter. That's not just the most in a fourth quarter in Grizzlies playoff history. It is the most in any playoff quarter by a, by a Memphis player that included the last 13 points, capped that with the, uh, the game-winning layup. Um, <laughs> we won't talk about Ant Edwards, uh, his, his defense on that play. I think we've touched on that last week. Uh, and I know you, you look at everything through the LeBron prism. The last time a player 22 or younger scored that many consecutive points to close out a playoff game was LeBron James. And obviously, this is a Stats Williams uh, stats and in, info in, in Detroit, I assume, in 2007. The final 25, then unforgettable 40, win over Detroit. 48 special. Yep. Yeah. So you have to go back that long to find a guy that young, uh, you know, closing out a game like. Jaw did, and then I'm gonna tell you something. It wasn't with the kind of style that Jaw had. That was an absolute <laughs> grind fest. There was nothing pretty about that game, right? And then Jaw, uh, you know, he, he he got his little gritty in on the uh, on the Tim Rolls home floor. I, the one thing I really would have wanted to see from Jaw in that moment, because Jaw's he's I don't know, he's top five trash talker in the league. He's, he's definitely right up there. Mm. And there was a lot of that back and forth in that series. 
I would have loved to see Ja jump up on that Minnesota scores table and celebrate that playoff series victory. <laughs> I would have loved him to jump right up on Pat Bev's play in spot and celebrate that series win. <laughs> right on that, uh, on his footprint there. Oh man. Well, listen, Ja was great. And it was the, you know, he was hitting floaters. He was hitting step backs. He was hitting scoop layups. I mean, you know, all this nonsense about the bag these days. Well, that bag <laughs> was on display, uh, which is appropriate for this award. Um, and also a perfect segue in the little uh, Warriors Grizzlies. That's I mean, right. Warriors you Grizzlies. You talk about full. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> wow. 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 John game two. And it's unfortunate circumstances because Gary Payton II was obviously in the starting lineup for one reason, because he was their guy to not not stop job, but do your best containing him, stay in front of him, make it tough on him. I don't, especially with Iguodala, I don't, he's out at least another week, you know, kind of doubt he plays in the series. We'll see. Man, I don't, I don't know. Like how are the Warriors going to figure this out? Um, Jaw in game two, I tell you what, the answer ain't like Jordan Poole. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, dude, he had Jordan Poole facing the wrong way, falling down while he's finishing with a pretty good. He had him playing basketball on ice. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, I tell you what, though, it's interesting because I think so. Say the Grizzlies win this series. I'll tell you what the Suns are going to do. The Suns are going to attack him like they're attacking Luca and they're going to make right. him work yes, really hard on the other end of the floor. But that's just like the Warriors have never been a hunting team. You know, they're, they've, that's not their Steve's, style of play. It's not Steve's style at all. And so, you know, I don't know. They run a and, democratic offense. They don't run a, a dictatorship. If Yeah. But um, I just want to point out, you know, in game two, which the, Warriors lost by five on the road in which they lost one of their best defensive players on a dirty play. Mm-hmm. They were seven of 38 from three, which is one of the worst right. performances the splash brothers have ever had. And I agree that clay has not looked his best, but he was two of 12. Um, they go home. I think you're going to see a little bit better shooting from them. Um, I do, if, if you're looking for a problem that the Warriors have, it is first off, Steph hasn't shot the ball great. He's had a couple mm-hmm. of decent games, but I think he's shooting around 40% or less overall. He hasn't shot the three ball well. Um, their quote unquote new death lineup, I think it's minus 11 the first two games. I mean, Jordan Poole is not Andre Guadalla. They are not able to play the same level of defense with that group. So that is a challenge as. Um, Steve Kerr looks to balance how his lineups are going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those are factors as to why I think the Warriors haven't hit um, max RPM. But of course, the Grizzlies have a lot to do with that. And, you know, the Grizzlies haven't gotten Jaron Jackson, who just has got to stop fouling. Um, and, you know, their starting lineup, you know, listen to the starters the other night in a game that they won. Mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson, three of 14, 12 points. Dylan Brooks, three minutes, got ejected. It was over three. Xavier Tillman, three of four, seven points. I know he doesn't play that many minutes, but you know, he was the best. Des Bain, who's been awesome this postseason, 
and I know he played good defense, gave nothing on off on offense. Well, he was playing with a bad points. he was playing with a bad back and it showed in that game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so they get they Steven probably- Adams back. And I, I'm curious to see how that goes. I, you know, he's in health and safety protocols, um, you know, but he, he was, they pulled the plug on him after game one of that Minnesota series, just because, you know, he cat's a terrible matchup for him. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see exactly how they use Steven Adams. Does it go back to what it was all regular season long where he's playing starters minutes? Uh, Brandon Clark has been phenomenal in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I still think you want Brandon Clark playing 25, 30, maybe even even more minutes than that. Um, but I, I am curious to see, you know, how they use Steven Adams and how he looks coming back off of COVID. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think on the Warriors side, look, going back to when they were winning 73 games, they've always struggled with long, young, athletic teams. You could go back to, you know, McMahon's pal Jason Kidd down there in Dallas when he was in Milwaukee. They were running some crazy, you know, double schemes and stuff. You're trapping and flying around and didn't work against a lot of teams, but they had a lot of success against Golden State. Um, And the the early Celtics teams under Brad Stevens that were, you know, had like Avery Bradley and young Jalen Brown and Jay Crowder, those teams, a bunch of rangy athletic guys would give the Warriors some trouble. Um, This Memphis team is certainly full of athletic guys like that. And, you know, you mentioned McMahon, no Gary Payton. They don't have anybody to guard John now. That's going to be a challenge for them. And, you know, I think on the other side, you're talking about Golden State's offense. I mean, A, you know, this death lineup, quote unquote, people are talking about, like you said, Brian, Jordan Poole ain't Andre Godala, and uh, Andrew Wiggins ain't either Harrison Barnes or Kevin Durant. Like the secret thing about those lineups is they were big. Like they could guard centers with those groups. Those lineups are really, really small. Yeah, like the, that, talking, that, that lineup, you're trying to outscore people. The other lineup, right. you would you were just dominate. You people. could do it at both ends, right? Mm-hmm. They have to come in and score a ton of points, and I'm not sure they're only going to do that if they're bombing threes, which sometimes they're going to. But if they're, if they're not, they're going to be suspect. And then there's the other part of that, which is the Draymond offense thing is a real problem now. You know, he is just absolutely not guarded at all. It's, you're almost playing four on five sometimes. He's catching the ball at the top of the key. He's only looking to pass. He had the play at the end of game five against Denver when he, it was basically the Ben Simmons play against uh, the Sixers, which he, of course, then went on his pod and, and he immediately told the world how it wasn't like the Ben Simmons play, which I thought said a lot. And, you know, I, I think the, the Grizzlies have the ability to play off him and take advantage of that. And I, I'm curious to see how that goes going forward in the series because the, the Warriors did not get going on offense in game one until he was out of the game. And they were not, they, like you said, Brian, in game two, they didn't shoot the ball well. The offense wasn't great. Um, you know, I'm curious to see what that matchup looks like going forward in the series because I'm not sure it's a great series for Draymond on offense, and that could be a problem for them. Well, and if they have a transition issue, when I say transition, transitioning to playing without Gary Payton, and they don't, and they don't have a good game three, which I, I expect them to do it, but if, if it's two two coming out of there, I mean, well, and the other are... thing, other thing to remember, now starting Saturday, it's an every other day series, and you got to think that's going to favor Memphis going forward. Way younger team, obviously. Jaws had some health issues. If he gets banged up, that's a problem. But the Grizzlies, you would think, as the series goes on, are going to probably do better playing every other day for nine days yeah. than than the Warriors are. 
So. The Warriors, I do expect a market correction where Steph hits eight threes and they make their shots and they just wallop the Grizzlies. And well, if Memphis that happens get out of their own damn way half the time. So they'll probably <laughs> do a bunch of dumb stuff and, and screw it up. But it it's going to this series is fascinating. I'm really glad it's uh, the, the Celtics and Celtics Bucks. And this is opposite me. So I can just sit and watch yeah. these games on these off days because those those have been just awesome games so far. It's going to be a really fun series. All right. Well, it's getting towards midnight right now on the East Coast. So uh, I want to thank uh, Bontemps and McMahon. Thanks to our producer, Jackson. Thanks to Andrea on the video team who stayed up late with us tonight. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective. Enjoy the playoff games this weekend. It's going to be a lot different when we next talk to you early next week. Look forward to it. Adios, amigos. Crown Jewel. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash hoop now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash hoop.